Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year's from our friends over at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that does not mean that you have to drop the ball on your balls. It's time you brought sexy back in 2022 and step your game up with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Now, it's been alleged, I think, somewhat cruelly in the past that I maybe lack a bit of enthusiasm when it comes to these adverts, but I, quite frankly, refute that. As I've said many, many times, it's not for me to judge. They're your balls, you can do what you like to them, even if it flies in the faith of the faith in which we all grew up in, it's totally fine with me. It's no skin off my nose if you want to take the fuzz off your peaches. It's entirely down to you. And while you know, some of us feel that morally we conduct ourselves differently to people such as yourself, walking about with your kind of, shall we say, frozen turkeys. Um, it's totally up to you. And, you know, it, it's a great New Year's resolution, I suppose, to get your uh, undergarments completely and utterly at one with your testes. And the Performance Package 4.0 contains six essential tools for you to take care of your tools. Uh, inside, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0. It's an electric trimmer designed to trim hair on loose skin. And the advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, a cue ball, really. Uh, the, the light will bounce right off it. So start the new year with a fresh set of footballs thanks to Manscaped and you get 20% off with the code Rangers at Manscaped.com that's 20% off with the code Rangers at Manscaped.com so give your balls a shave if you know you're that type of person Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Series 2 of the Evolution Podcast Series. 
On this series, we'll be looking at none other than the fans' favourite, the man himself, Mr Alfredo Morelos. My name is Stephen Clifford from the Four Lads Had a Dream platform, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Heart and Hand's finest, Mr David Edgar. David, how are you? Well, thank you for that. Uh, I'd agree with that. I'm not sure the rest of them would. But uh, I am really excited, Stevie, because, look, there are players who grab your heart. And that means that they can also engender other strong emotions, maybe not as positive, because we always, you know, you, you fight with your family, don't you, <laughs> at times? And no matter how much you love your partner, you fight with them at times. And that's that's the thing about Alfie. He's box office. He's a story. He's, he's a movie. Uh, it's a remarkable career already. Uh, and, of course, he's not even halfway through it yet. But the story of this young lad who, you know, grew up uh, as a street kid, really, in in a very poor area of, of Colombia, who goes to Finland, of all places, to, to kind of seek his fortune. He then arrives in Glasgow and the ups and downs. There's a real cinematic quality to to what Alfie has, has, uh, has gone through at Rangers. You know, there are massive lows. There are some disgraceful treatment of him by people out with Rangers. There are things he's done that were stupid himself. And then there is that glorious, glorious triumph and, you know, several other moments of supreme quality. And he's he's somebody that's that's written his name into to Rangers folklore and history because he's the type of guy that, you know, without due respect, you can get good players who come along and they give you two or three seasons, but you don't really remember them unless you're maybe looking at a specific game 20 years later or whatever. There are no guys that leap to the top of your the top of your tongue. Alfie's the opposite of that. Alfie will be a guy that we'll all chat about in 15, 20, 30 years. Uh, and it's because he's a guy who just, his personality shines out on that park. Yeah, I would agree with all that. And, and before we, we kind of start and kick off into it, it's probably worth saying, folks, that just like the, the Stephen Gerrard series in, in Series 1, David and I don't script this, we don't plan it, we don't set out to to um, have a guideline of what we're going to talk about. So sit back and relax and hopefully um, we'll cover everything as we as we go for it. And what I would say, just to echo what David was saying there, something about Alfredo Morelos, David, that you know this and you've seen, obviously spoken to my boys in that before, my boys are four and five. And they absolutely love Alfredo Morelos. There's a star quality behind his smile. And I think it's really nice that we went through a, a kind of a period there where there was no real favourites. But now Alfredo for the kids is, is unreal. And, and even my boys at four and five would, would say to me during lockdown and last year, Dad, can we go and see Alfredo at the mm-hmm. stadium? And that was simply just his picture on the club shop. And I've got pictures of the wee fella pointing to him and stuff and big smiles on their faces. And you ask them who they support and they don't say Rangers, they'll say Alfredo. And I I think that's the the gravitas that he has. I'm really glad you brought that up because this was something I'd never considered, right, up until a few years ago. And the reason for that is when I was growing up, we had heroes, right? We had Alan McCoy, you know, you and I, for goodness sake. Then you had Loudon, then you had Gascoigne. Uh, then you had that, you know, magnificent team. Then you had, even in the 2000s, you had Barry. You know, the, 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 you, you had a, a Yelovich. There was always somebody um, that was your hero that, that for young for young people. So I just assumed that 
because it had always been there for me, I think I always assumed that it was going to happen. And I remember years ago, our, our friend Alex Staff saying to me about how, and this is a strange, and I'm not comparing them as a player, I'm just saying that the, the first year under Warburton, when there was a, an improvement, okay, it didn't end you know, the way we wanted it to, but we'd gone from being a complete joke the previous seasons to, to actually being quite good. And he, he was saying about his boy was young at the time, he says he loves Nathan Odua because, you know, the rainbow flick and he takes people on. And he said it's the first one in years that he's actually went, oh, who's that? And I spoke to Manny, he was very young at the time, and he said, I he loved him, couldn't he pronounce his name, but he, he said he loved him. And my nephews are 14 and 9 now, and it's the exact same thing with Alfredo. They love him in that pure way that that you and I loved Ali McCoist. Yeah, you and I still love Ali McCoist, yeah. in, our, in our 40s and 30s. But he did provide, and through some dark times, a hero that young people need. That, that God adults need, but young people in particular when you're growing up. And again, it was something that I had taken for granted that just happened, just happened automatically. But then I looked, you know, through the kind of disaster period, which it was, you know, 2012 to to uh, 2017, really, and the main, of, you know, so a good spell under Robert and apart. Um, who were they meant to? You know, who, who, who were the kids meant to gravitate to? Who was going to hook them at that age where... You're too young to really understand the intricacies of football, and you're too young. God, I don't. I'm not sure I'll ever understand all of them, but you're too young, really, to to get. You get it on an emotional level, I suppose, is, is the word I'm looking for. You get it on a feel level, and you just you look at somebody and go, "Him, he's cool. I love him. I love the way he looks. I love the way he plays. Um, I love everything about. I want my hair cut like him. I want, you know, I want his name on the back of my jersey. That kind of hero worship that you." That you need that that's you know a big part of growing up and connecting to the club, and we didn't have anybody who did that, and Alfredo did and does, and you're absolutely right when to us older guys at times he can drive you up the bloody wall, but for young people he is that that door into both Rangers and football of just being this cool guy who scores goals, who has the the you know the 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 cracking haircut, who does the knee slides, who does the cool gestures. They identify with him so strongly and he provides, as I say, just a very important door for them to come through as part of their growth, their evolution into being a Rangers supporter. And I don't think that's something players in general get credit for. As I say, it was something I'd never even thought about till a few years ago and it was only really the lack of someone who was there that that made it clear to me and it was and even then I needed it pointed out to me so you know it's it's not something anyone sets out to do you know Alfie I'm sure didn't arrive and say that's what I'm going to do but it is important. On the Rangers then and the, the Rangers now show David where we have uh, the Patreons come on and they talk about their favourites I think all bar two of the probably nearly 20 episodes everybody has says that Alfredo Morelos is their, their, their favourite player in the squad now, Alfredo's my favourite player in the squad, um, but that doesn't mean he, he's been immune to, to criticism. And I think that's a, the the thing about w- what you said, which resonates, because like your family and like your loved ones and that, you're probably the, the hardest on the ones you love the most. Mm-hmm. And we know how good Alfredo has been. So over the course of this series, David, we'll, as you pointed out, we'll cover some um, almighty highs and some very almighty lows. And I wonder... 
and it's already been joked about how many times we will say to each other during this podcast platform, that was the time where I was ready to get him in the car and drive him myself. So yeah, there's a lot to happened. look forward to, um, certainly when we when we cover this, I think. Yeah, uh, that has happened to me on, on at least three occasions that jumped to mind where I went, nah, I'm done with them now. Absolutely done with them now. And I wouldn't you know, do the spoilers, but I'm sure that that's the case for for most of the people listening to this and there have been other times where i was prepared to go to his house and get him in a bag and hide him till the end of a transfer window because that's what he that's what he does i think that there's a difference between a player that you admire especially as you get older because obviously the kind of hero worship thing goes uh, a little bit that there are players you admire and in that current rangers team for me kent aribo um uh tav are players that i admire and there are players that you just uh, love is probably the right word for it because I, I, a comparison i would make and again i'm not comparison them as, as players i'm comparison uh, and the, the, the sort of feelings they engendered nacho novo was like that there were better players at, at ibrox than nacho novo but there was just something about him wasn't there that there was just the way he played and the way he was, you know, one of us and what he did for us. And I think that in Alfredo's case, he's got that. He's a, you know, a far better player, and that's no disrespect to to the wee man who has, yeah, know, and that's favourites. But he does have that sense of just, as you say, you you get an emotional attachment to him in a way that maybe you don't get even with guys that you think are super footballers. Interesting that you say Nacho Novo, and I'm going to come to that. Um comparison in, in a wee minute David because um, as we talk about um, Alfredo arriving as we should, um, Alfredo in season 2016-17 hit 20 goals and 25 for HJK Helsinki um, Rangers would appoint Pedro Caixina and Jonathan Johansson would come in as his assistant, now it's been said I think a few times of of who's um, involved in in earmarking Alfredo but either way Rangers would pay around about a million pound for Alfredo to come to to Scotland Um, that deal would include a friendly match against HJK which we would play a couple of Januaries later which we'll cover on the on the podcast as well Um, there is a a small sell-on clause I believe around about 10% which we will have to factor in when we we do sell them for 100 million this summer Mm -hmm. Um, but he would arrive Fairly unknown, David, in terms of 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 where where we are, and this is what's interesting when you say about Nacho Novo. I first saw Nacho Novo in the Newcastle Cup tournament that they had, and we got a, a spanking off of Newcastle that day, four two, in which uh, the overriding memory of being three 0 down after half an hour, and Olivier Bernard scored a, a forty yarder against That's you, right. still haunts me to this day. However. Everybody was going on about Dado Perso and how good he was. And I remember being really excited by Nacho Novo. Quick movement, fast, something that we didn't have, that kind of poacher style. Now, the first time I seen Alfredo, I thought the exact same. Um, and the, the early kind of... Um, he wasn't first choice when he, when he first came. No, he was not. Um, Eduardo Herrera was. That's right. Um, but he muscled his way in and... His first goal, David, you know, obviously would come. Before we get to that, what was your immediate impressions of, of Alfredo arriving, the money that we had paid, 
Um, obviously, he, he wasn't fairly well known, so I don't expect you to say, you know, I've watched him a hundred times, etc. But um, he, he was, in a sense, without us probably even knowing exactly what we needed. Yeah, I, look, I won't lie to you. I, I'd never heard of him because I cards on the table, folks. My knowledge of Finnish football is not big. Um, but I think that there's something glamorous and intriguing about South American players to people in Britain. There's something exotic about them because in in Scotland in particular, we don't get a lot of them really, do we? Because it's not a destination point for South Americans. The players, they tend to go, understandably, to Spain or Portugal, um, better climates, a a well-worn path, language similarities, etc. So it's not really the done. So I think there's an excitement level whenever you hear. And because of our you know, admiration for South American football because it does seem so glamorous and sexy uh, and strange. And in a world where, you know, we all know pretty much everything about what's going on in most leagues, it's easy. Fine, God, you can you can sit now and watch Spanish football as easily as you can watch Scottish football. Probably more so, really. You could probably catch more games. Um, so therefore, that air of mystery that was there when when we were younger, because you only really saw these guys at World Cups. Um, that I, I think that that is a bit of a, a kind of hangover from that. So there's something always intriguing about it. Now, a million quid was a fair old chunk for us then. It really was. And you're right, he wasn't being brought in as the number one guy. That was Herrera, who we paid more for and seemed to have the better pedigree. Um, so it was it was quite an exotic and interesting signing. And I think, again, the path that he'd taken seemed so unusual. For a young kid who'd been playing in, uh, who'd been playing in in Colombia, and then he gets this move to of all places Finland. Uh, that that's wild, you know. I mean, it, it, that can't have happened all that often. Uh, and he banged him in, so clearly he can finish. You know, it's never a guarantee, standard of football, all of that. But clearly he was hungry. Clearly he could finish. Clearly he wasn't averse to somewhere that's, you know, not a tropical climate. So all of that came in. So there was an excitement about him. He had a cool name. <laughs> and I know that sounds really... But he did. You know, Alfredo Morelos. Oh, that sounds exciting. Um, and then, like you, when I first saw him, uh, I was... Uh, the, the initial thing I thought about him was he was a guy who played... Uh, who thrived on chaos. And I like a striker who's like that. Wonderful. See if you can get, you know, a, a, a Mo Salah who's just silk... You know, who's who's just liquid football, graceful movement, pace, can do everything, you know, just so elegantly. That's that's wonderful. But I like a footballer who I think probably the best example in the last 20 years is maybe Luis Suarez. Somebody who who rather than get a ball and he'll dribble round somebody, he'll knock the ball into them and he'll say, I'm going to cause a bit of confusion here because I can react quicker than you can. When that confusion starts, I can burrow through you. I can find a way. I can drive past you rather than maybe, you know, glide past you. And immediately I thought that about Alfie, that he had that sense of that directness that I like in a striker, which is I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to go at this defender and I'm going to go through. If there's not a gap, I'm going to create a gap. I'm going to bully them. I'm going to push them out the road. Um, That was the plus points. Uh, I liked his, his work rate and his movement. I didn't think necessarily that he was a natural finisher. And by that, again, a comparison, maybe uses somebody like Chris Boyd, who could just 
automatically select the best finish for the situation. And I think that that's a fair thing to say about Alfie to this day, that he's still maybe not always the cleanest striker of a ball. Um, but he's obviously as he's got older, his his shot selection has improved. Uh, and and of course we were, you know, maybe the reason for that is we were told that he was a, a midfielder when he first kind of came through uh, and got moved up front. So you know he'd, he'd maybe not growing up as a natural finisher. Also though, this is something that I remember when you know Dominic Calvert Lewin, the the Everton yes. player, yeah, yeah, right? Of course, yeah. When he was coming through at Everton. He was like an England under 20 and a successful one. But when he was starting to get games for Everton, he didn't score a lot. And I remember watching, I think it might have been, uh, you know, one of the, the English pundits. And he said, oh, that'll come, though. Now, that to me seems a bit counterintuitive because I'm sort of like, well, hang on, he's a striker. You know, what do you mean the finishing will come? And what he meant by that is being in that, you can't replicate being in the situation of being in the first team knowing where to go you know you you learn that you learn there are some guys who are born with it McCoy's Boyd but as a, a normal striker just learns the ideal position and then through experience he learns what the right finish is and it becomes second nature to him and that I think is something that has happened with Alfredo throughout the time also confidence I, I think Alfie's a confidence player when he's confident he picks the right shots when he's not he can sometimes I think he, he can sometimes still, you know, select their own club for the bag, but but that's the case for most strikers, I think. I think a good comparison when you talk about Chris Boyd, I think Alfredo Morelos in, in that kind of era is more Kenny Miller in terms yeah. of where his finishing is, and I would completely agree with you. Capable of fantastic finishes, capable of scooping it over from two yards out, and I think that's really where... We still are with Alfredo, and like you said, on on confidence, when he's in a hot streak, he is unstoppable. Uh, I think we've seen a wee bit of that just before we we stop for the break, and we have seen, you know, Alfredo, as as we'll cover as well, is very burst, he he, he plays in bursts in terms of um, he'll have a great three months, he'll have a great six months, etc. So all that's to cover, really. Um, But I think we've we've set the, the kind of groundwork in terms of the beginning of of this show and the platform so delving a wee bit more into his first season David we all know how it went under Pedro Caixinha and then Murti when when he came in so without kind of needing to go over that season which was as we all know a bit of a train wreck we can concentrate more on him the first goal and the first glimpse we've seen of him would be at home to Hibernian in a in a 3-2 defeat and really um, the big take of, of that day wasn't Alfredo, it was more of the refereeing, but it's a perfect place to, to start. First of all, Alfie would score a really good header after only a couple of minutes. There was a free kick to the back post and he bullets it in. Um, first time we've seen the, the trademark knee slide, first time we heard the, the Buffalo Soldier song from the, mm. the Union Bears section, and it was all pretty good. However, that game would go on to be spoiled by what is still, to me, one of the most confusing referee performances <laughs> I've seen from from John Beaton. Uh, Ryan Jack was on the end of a, a really poor red card, which later got overturned. Uh, first time I've ever seen anyone get strangled and get sent off for it. Um, Alfredo would be involved in a, a long ball chase with Darren McGregor. These are very famous pictures now where 
you'll see Alfredo trying to get the ball and he's basically strangled and he also gets cautioned for it and it, and it goes the other way. That was one of many really confusing and, and ridiculous situations. But an early sign, David, unfortunately, of what would become a pattern when it come to when it came to Alfredo and referees. Absolutely. Uh, uh, look, I I think John Beaton's a shocking referee, and I think we now have more than enough evidence to suggest that that's the case, uh, and not just in matches involving Rangers. Uh, I think particularly, and, and I have some sympathy with him because of the, the pressure he was put under about Rangers matches. I think it is a thing uh, for him now. Um, but one of the criticisms that, that I've always had about his refereeing, and it goes back to this day, is that he guesses. Um, he doesn't give what he sees, he guesses. And that's why you get these extraordinary decisions. Sometimes referees get things wrong or they don't see something. Um, and as frustrating as that is, that to me is understandable what i think is a sign of a bad referee is somebody who invents things you know when when there's no possible reason to have given you can miss something i don't think you can create something uh, and the mcgregor incident with alfie is is a key one i think initially what that game did and it it, it wasn't just this game there were a few of them what that game did was feed a narrative that the the press in Scotland were already going to go with, which was hothead South American striker. Now, I mentioned earlier there's an exotic nature about the strikers. I mentioned Luis Suarez, for example, um, as a you know, South American player. There is this cliche um, in, in Britain about a type of South American player, the hothead, the, the, the person who will, you know, do the gamesmanship, the person who will, you know, Diego Costa is another one. And, and look, some players are like that. But the idea that every South American player who ever lived is that way is, is bollocks. Of course it is. You know, you can't have a, a continent full of people with the exact same characteristic. That, that's nonsense. But they were already, I think, keen to go with the, the hothead young South American player. And... Then when Alfie would react to decisions, uh, then it would just be used as more evidence of, see, we told you, that's what this guy's like. Uh, and it did become a thing, and, and it still is. You know, it still is. It's it's better now than it was, and I think he has had to change his game. Interestingly, we spoke about Chris Boyd there. Um, Chris Boyd has said that by the end up, he, you know, when he retired, he was kind of glad in a way because he couldn't move on a field without the referee giving him a free, uh, giving him a free kick against them. That he said that football has moved so much now that if a, a a striker and a defender go in for an aerial challenge and they both go down, the ref will just give it to the defender all the time. That's just now, you know, something that that seems to happen. And he found that very frustrating. And I think Alfie is sometimes, you know, caught in that trap. That's not to defend when he's done something really stupid, okay? And there will be times as we go through this show where we'll go, he did this and it was really stupid. We'll be honest about it. Uh, does Alfie have a temper? Yeah, at times he has, and he's had to learn a curb. But, but I think that there was already a preset. Now, I don't think he had to display it the way that a Scottish player would have had to display it for it to become noticed and become... A talking point. I think that in Alfie's case, people had decided he was that and then looked for evidence and worked backwards from it. Uh, and then, of course, there are times where he does silly things. But, you know, a good example I'll give you. Do you remember when him and McKenna get sent off at Aberdeen in the 4-2 game? Yes, so was that that one? That was a, a good trip to 4 yeah. 
We'd the phone in the last and... minute. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah right. that's right. Alfie's the the hot head who can't behave himself. McKenna, or that you know, he just got caught up in the moment. That's the difference. You know, it's the Scottish guy thinks differently to the South American guy. Um, whereas no, they both lost their tempers in a game that was quite frayed, and they both got a red card, and that's kind of the end of it. It was just that that preset idea that he's going to be like Costa, he's going to be like Suarez, he's going to be one of these guys that that will do these things. And and in their defence, they'll argue and say, well, he does do that, and you know that that's fair. But I I think he's got far less leeway to do it than other players have. Yeah, and we'll cover um, in this show what is uh, a quite horrible um, newspaper article regarding him, which was full of innuendo regarding um, his Colombian background. And we'll get to that. That's something that that's really, um, I don't know if it's, it's prevalent would be the word, but it's certainly concrete, I think. I, I don't even know if I'm expressing myself here properly, but it definitely... Um, it confirms what you're saying to be true. And that would come later on in the season and in, in, in what was a really unprovoked attack. But we'll get to that. Um, that, as I said, was Alfredo's first league goal uh, for the club. First time we'd, we'd kind of seen by that. He had already scored a couple, um, a double against Dunfermline in a, a 6-0 cup game, which um, I remember Bruno Alves scoring a, a real cracker That's of right, a free yeah. kick in as well. Um, Rangers' results obviously were up and down. We'd get beat by Hibs, draw with Hearts, etc. But then we went up to Ross County, and this I think is pivotal as well because Alfie would score a really good header again, um, showing that for somebody that that was quick and, and fast that he that he was going to get a few goals in the air. But the his second one is one we'll remember, and this was one that really caught my eye. Even at this early age, I was starting to to think, right, this this guy, like this guy, this guy's a you know, I like him, I like, you know, and, and you know, David, without sounding bad, I, I am quite notoriously hard to impress in terms of <laughs> new players and, and things like that, sometimes to my cost, if if I've made up my mind. Now, you know that to be true even just by the last couple of years, but immediately I was starting to think, Alfredo, right, I, I like this, I like everything about him, I like that. Now, for those of you, I, I'm sure everybody will remember, he goes in to shut down um, Scott Fox, the Ross County goalkeeper, he kind of dummies him and plays it away. Alfredo slides away past. He then waits. Scott Fox then kicks it in front of him. He nips back in and rolls it into an empty net. Now, there was something very clever about that. There was something very ingenious. But, David, I think that was a moment where everybody stood up or sat up and said, we might have something here. This boy's got something about him, and and I don't. See, I, I know it was just a tap in and that, but it was clever, and I mm. think that was the first real insight into a guy that had massive potential, and we had maybe got a gem. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, it's a tap in that he creates. You know, yes, Scott Fox makes an arse of it. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure he doesn't like seeing the clip, but it's because Alfie's live and aware, uh, and in there. You know, the, I think he creates the error and he then takes advantage of it. Um, I, yeah, I, I think by this stage, people were starting to go, he's, he's actually decent, this boy. You know, he's young and he's raw, but there's definitely a player there. Um, and I think that people were beginning to think that uh, the, the, the 
we had some. He scored a lot of goals. We said equally that he's had some headers where it it seems to have come off a right angle. You know, uh, that that's the thing about him. There's been growth. There's been development in him um, as as a forward, and he just seemed to have a bit about him in a lot of areas, didn't he? The his his work rate was good. His movement was was excellent. Um, he he was capable as well, and not all strikers are capable of this of grabbing the ball. 30 yards from goal and burrowing in and making something happen. And that's a real difficult skill of somebody getting the ball out wide and looking up, not having many options around them and just going, well, I'll go myself. And and Alfie can do that. There's a lot of goals in the in the the, the back catalogue of that, of Alfie just driving in from the wing um, and smashing a shot through a goalkeeper. So he, he seemed to have an awful lot of of these qualities. And I think, again, we have to remember, this was a Rangers team that was, that was struggling. You know, it was badly struggling. The manager wouldn't, wouldn't see November that year. And he was one of the few bright spots. Uh, Herrera was the other big signing. Um, and he wasn't impressing at all. And again, it's that thing as a fan that you look for something in a player. You understand that players can be off form, but you look for, I remember when Givash arrived, Stephen, that, he looked hopeless. You know, the first yeah. time I saw him in the flesh. I, I know he got the two goals on debut at St. Johnson. I think I could have scored that night. Um, I think we won 7-1. Um, but even so, you know, and he clearly had a trick, World Cup winner's medal, for Christ's sake. But then when you saw him, he, he, his touch isn't great. He doesn't seem to move around a lot. He's not particularly good in the air. He's not quick. I'm no, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't see anything to get my teeth into. And Herrera was a bit like that, where I think if a player shows you what he can be and shows you those those glimpses even of potential, it just gives you something to hang your hat on. And Alfie was doing that. You were thinking, well, you know, he's good at that. He could be better in a lot of areas. You were aware of that, but that's fine. What young player can be? You know, what young player will come through that doesn't have that growth room? And I think Alfie was was demonstrating to us all at this point that he had, in a lot of key areas for a forward, he had a lot of good stuff going on. And this, as I say, is a Rangers team that's playing a really basic 4-4-2. It's not cohesive. We were losing midfield battles a lot back then because we were getting outnumbered 3-2 in the middle a lot. And he was one of the bright sparks that you thought, okay, there's there's definitely something. Put it this way, right from the start, I've never heard anybody say Alfredo Morelos was a waste of a million quid, ever. Because right from the start, he never looked like that. No, that's that's really fair. The, the, the one on Eduardo Herrera is the comparison with Givars. I remember seeing Stefan Givars and thinking, I've never seen a player that wants less to be at Rangers than mm. this guy. To me, he just looked, you know, even from word go, he just looked horrendously disinterested. Um, I'm not saying that was the case with Herrera, but with Herrera, I I thought, and again, it goes back to my early judgment of players and, and being quite harsh. I thought, Christ, we've spent money on a guy that's like an updated, slightly younger version of Eagle Austinstadt or James Beattie. Uh, at that time, um, I remember Walter signed him and, and going for the third title and he was clearly not suited to our game and things like that. Eduardo Herrera wasn't suited to our game. Um, Alfredo, on the other hand, as you said, there was something there to pin the hat on that early 
kind of goal against Hibs, a double against Dunfermline. Um, after he scored the, the two up at Ross County, he would score two uh, against Dundee, then a, a solid uh, single strike and a 2-2 draw at Partick. This is the way our season was going. One game good, then a draw, then a defeat, a couple of wins, draw, etc. That would take us up to um, Kilmarnock on the 25th of October. Kaishinia would go the next day. Graham Murray would come in. And during this period, Alfredo had a spell of eight games where he didn't score. That would come to an end um, just at the start of December. He was scoring a 2-1 home victory to Ross County. Then we went to Easter Road. Now, the reason I bring this one up, David, is this goes back to something you said earlier. And it was another case of, just to kind of refresh our memory, the results weren't good. We were going, as I said, one or two games winning, one or two games getting beat. Um, Marty had slightly lifted it all, but there was a, a an air of inevitability about the, the season in terms of, of where we were. We were kind of, we were stuttering along. I think that's fair. This game at Easter Road, Rangers, we win 2-1, and it gave us another glimpse into Alfredo. People will remember his celebration where he, he he was at the corner and he'd done the very famous kind of tongue celebration at Easter Road um, at the Hibs fan. The reason I bring this in is because something you said earlier, which is correct, Alfredo gets the ball at the right-hand side of the box as we're looking at it, camera. There's not much going. He twists one way, twists back on himself, twists again, and it's that burst of speed. He fires it in from an angle. Now, we see we see him do this, and, and he'll do it a couple of times over his career. Um, very similar goal he scored at, at Paisley against St Mirren as well. He likes that tight angle. He would score a similar goal, I think, against Ayr in the Cup as well. But this was a f- the next glimpse, I think, David, of seeing something that would become a regular pattern, which is Alfredo, when he's on form, he's on confidence, and he scored a goal in the, in the previous match, etc., that when he's got that, he backs himself in these situations on one-on-ones. Again, something we saw before the, the break um, in that when at home to St Mirren, when they cleared the corner, he backed himself in that one-on-one with his pace and stuff. And we know that he's got that in his locker and he's hopefully getting back to this. But this was the first real sign, David, of a guy that could occupy a defence and score in situations where he created them himself. Different to Ross County in terms of that kind of cheeky, ingenious kind of way that he'd done it. But this was one where there was nothing happening he created it all himself. He skins the defender through sheer power and pace and then bullets in a, a really good finish. That was one of another one of his, his early highlights and looking back at his kind of early Rangers career, that another moment where, where you would sit up and think, right, we know he's raw, we know he's he's got things to his game, but that's another moment where we can look at this boy and think he is one to kind of pin our hopes on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was a boy that that could do that for you. You know, could could create a moment out of nothing and and be relied upon to to go himself. Alfie, and this is maybe something that that has adversely affected him at, at times. He, he's not always a guy who's reliant on service. All strikers are to a degree, but Alfie will go. Well, I'll just go and get the ball myself. Then now that's a double-edged sword. One, it's a bad failing of the rest of the side, but two. It can then tempt managers, as it would eventually tempt Gerard, to tell him to drop back and tell him to come back and be 
at times a little too deep. Harry Kane occasionally, I think you can always tell when Spurs are suffering or playing badly because Harry Kane ends up playing in midfield, you know, just for a touch of the ball. But it's also because they've got, you'd never see an out-and-out striker do that because Rooney used to do it as well, remember? He would, if United weren't getting him the ball, he'd just go and get it himself. Um, And Alfie can do that because he, he... Especially when he's confident, he trusts himself to go and make something happen uh, and go and create something out of nothing. I, 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 I you know, it is going to be a theme of this. I think that he can be such a, a, a streaky goal scorer, not necessarily a streaky um, player. He can still play well and he can still contribute. He's that type of striker that I like, that he can still be a factor in a match, even if he didn't score. Whereas with some strikers, as we know, if they don't score, you know, you pretty much don't see them. Um, Alfie's not like that, but if he's not confident, then he doesn't quite have that, or he snatches his shot, or he picks the wrong option. This is not unique to Alfredo Morelos, incidentally. This is all footballers, and anybody in their place of work, if, you, if you're not confident in what you're doing, then you'll overthink it, and you'll make errors, and you know, you'll be worried about it. But when he is confident, and when he's at the top of his game and when he's fit and flying, then you there are times he's unplayable and he will do things that there is nothing a defender can do to stop him other than just hauling him down. There is nothing that a defender can do to stop him because he will completely run away um, from them with the ball and then have the confidence and the assurance to to, to put the ball away. And that goal was a really good example of it. It was a very fine finish. Um, that that was a bit of a fortunate victory that night um, uh, against Hibs. But it was made possible by the fact that when an opportunity, and it wasn't, you know, I'm not a big XG guy, but I'm sure it was near registered as a sitter. But he did it, he created, and he pounced, and he, he gave us the platform to enable us to take the points. Yeah, um, and I think... I think the thing that really impressed me with that is that he created it himself. I think that was a big thing. It was an early indication of this guy could dominate and this guy could really occupy defences mm. if he was yeah. given the opportunity. And I think that it's 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 almost like a, a natural growth. So we had seen a small indication of his, his finishing prowess in the air with a couple of goals. Then we saw his goal at Ross County. This was a different kind of goal in terms of one that we we would become more um, accustomed with. to seeing, more familiar with, because he can do that. We know he's capable. He went through, as, as we'll come to his really rich vein of form, every time the ball went to Alfredo, which was kind of where we were getting back to um, before we stopped, was that any time he gets the ball, you sit up because things can happen. Mm. So... At this point, as you know, and without kind of reliving, Rangers were still in a bit of a mess. We would then get beat 3-1 at home to St. John's, where Alfredo scored the first, and then for some unknown reason, we would collapse and shit three goals. Then we went to Kilmarnock, um, a game we've talked about recently, actually. It was on the day that Graham Murty was appointed as permanent caretaker. We would get beat 2-1 again. Um, He then would score against Motherwell at home in a 2-0 victory just after Christmas. Then we played Celtic away 0-0. Fairly uneventful game. Um, good for us from the point of view that under Murty we kind of avoided a tanking, which we took as some sort of 
at that point, David, without sounding really awful, it was more or less a moral victory for us in terms of, well, we didn't get thrashed. Alfredo in that game, largely again uneventful. He doesn't, um, and probably worth pointing out, Alfredo goes at this point probably about three months without getting cautioned. At the In this game, small signs that he could lead the line and occupy, nothing nothing spectacular about the performance. It was really dogged, nil-nil. We come away with it feeling, you know, just before the winter break, feeling that it, it was an okay point because at that point we had showed absolutely nothing against them and the form had been really kind of sporadic under, under Murray. I think that's fair to say. Then there's a winter break. We come back. It's already clear we're in a battle for second place with Aberdeen, as grim as that is saying it. He would score again in a 2-0 victory, which... Um, I think James Tavernier would get the second from penalty spot, if I remember correctly. Then he goes, I think, a month without scoring, get grabs, um, you know, performances here and there. Our results slightly better in terms of picking up wins that we should be picking up, but then in the middle of that run, getting beat at home to Hibernian 2-1, which I think, if you remember rightly, was a game where Sean Goss scored a really good free kick and then 30 seconds later we gave away a penalty which kind of summed up the, the kind of way our season was going. Alfredo would, would play and, and kind of play in all these games um, quite frequently. He would next pick up a goal away at Hamilton in a, in a 5-3 game, which I think, David, summed us up perfectly um, of where we were in that season. No disrespect to Hamilton. We shouldn't be conceded three against them. But no, that having... game was... Oh. Wild, was the wasn't most it? defending I've ever seen yeah. both sides. Yeah, it was a Russell Smart masterclass. Yeah, Alfredo would score and assist too. So another kind of good performance. And and I don't what I'm trying to get at is that with without covering this season sporadically, the picture I'm trying to paint is that even though we were grim, David, we were we were very poor at that point, really struggling, um, and, and not playing well. Sporadic results. What I'm trying to get at is that even during in a really team that was struggling, struggling managerial, had nothing going for it without, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but it's true, it was utterly grim, that he was, even though it wasn't every week, he was showing us signs of a player that we had something to work with and something to develop, which we're about to come to a really pivotal moment for Alfredo and for Rangers, which we didn't know at the time. But even at that point in, in games like Hamilton, Alfredo was shown us enough to show that in the future we had a player that we could have as our number nine and we could structure around. He was actually quite, this was the first of the, the get rid of him periods though, because you remember that old firm game, he missed two, two setters really, two headers. Um, good saves, but he should have scored them. And Bill Leckie, with the first of his strange fixation he has, with Alfredo, got torn into the range of support for liking him, basically. Um, said, you know, the guy's rubbish, and yet they sing his name. It's an odd thing to pick footballers, uh, to pick football fans apart from, isn't it? The fact that they support their team and support a player. Um, and then, of course, came the bid from China for him that January. And I think it's fair to say that his head was turned a bit. This was at the tail end of China offering stupid money 
both to clubs and to players. And I think it something we don't take into account about Alfredo and something we don't take into account is that you need to remember where he grew up. Poverty where Alfredo grew up is not like poverty over here. You know, I mean, it's it, it's a low standard of living. And someone comes along and offers you money that you can set not only yourself up, but your family and generations of your family up forever. It's all right us saying, oh, but you're at Rangers and you want to win things. You know, unless you've walked in his shoes, I don't think you can really criticise for that. And he did go off the boil a bit. There were sporadic moments. You'll remember as well, Stephen, we signed Jason Cummings. Um, that window. Yep. Yep. And I, 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 man, I like Jason Cummings. I thought he was going to do his turn. Um, I still think Jason Cummings is a talent. I like Jason Cummings as a bloke, but I think that he's quite clearly going into that Scottish uh, trap we've seen so many times of a boy who is going to waste his talent. And I hope I'm wrong there, but certainly currently as we're recording. And there were people that were, were wanting Alfie left out of the team. Um, one of the things that I think is a theme is that Alfie's not great with a striking partner. Seeing a formation where you've got two up front, he's better in that sole striker supported by either wide men or two number 10s. That's that's his best position. And I don't even think he likes the number 10s too close to him. Uh, for me, it's not a surprise that his best form of this season has come when Gerard has uh, uh, we've adapted, we've abandoned the Gerard two number ten system and gone with two out and out wide men who are told to get out there and you know chalking the boots as the cliche goes. Um, I think he likes that you occupy the defence role, you know, you take care of the centre backs role. Um, and there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, his head's gone. He doesn't want to be here anymore." And again, the chaotic slide that happens under Marty in this period the whole thing was falling apart you know we had famously the Kenny Miller and Lee Wallace incidents you know we had guys that were quite clearly speaking to um, you know the press about how unhappy they were we had you know just a very clearly unhappy dressing room Um, and Alfredo became a bit of a lightning rod for that and you know I, I he missed, of course, a good chance in the 3-2 defeat to Celtic. So the old firm thing became a thing for him. Then can he score in an old firm game? And it would that would linger for a long time. And it was just a bad period. I don't think anybody doubted he was a good player. But, you know, it wasn't uncommon to hear people say he should be dropped and Cummings should play. And uh, the first, really, I remember of people saying get rid of him did come after that, that bid from China that, that Rangers turned down. Uh, the legitimacy of it, there was a bid. Whether or not that particular club could have actually paid the money that they said they would was the ma- was the major doubt. That was the issue. Um, but it was all in all just a bit of a... It was just a bad period for us as fans, players and Rangers FC in general. Yeah, it was. Um, China is a is a really big big thing that, that you were right to to bring up and cover. It's weird to say that Alfredo seemed to get more traction and more criticism or become a focal point in the newspapers for articles and criticism because of that bid when he had done absolutely nothing. It came right out of the blue. 
there was much derision over Rangers' decision to turn it down, etc., etc. Um, you know, there was what would how would we word this? There was dubiety over, like you said, whether or not it really existed. But you're right in saying that, and this is something we'll learn, you know, more about Alfredo as he, as he would go along in terms of um, he would he would promptly, I think, not long after that, sign a new improved contract, which was really important to him. He does a lot of things for home. He does a lot of charity work. He does um, a lot for not only his, his kind of area, but is wider kind of region is is where we we've seen it, David. We've seen the pictures and all that. So the chance to go to China and make that silly money was there, and it's it's no wonder that he was a bit a bit moved from it. But this will go on to something that we'll discuss, and something that has been huge during his time here is his, his mental strength and his ability to get over setbacks and his ability to kick on again and things. And he's proved that time and time again. But the pivotal moment, and you've touched on it slightly is that in that 3-2 game, Alfredo does miss. Rangers are 3-2 down at a time. We know the story behind it. Celtic are down to 10 men. Alfredo Morelos misses a really guilt-edged chance. It's a tap-in. He hits inside the post. It runs runs along. I think the goalie then grabs it. In that game, little did we know that the the whole era of Rangers and the whole... Um, kind of future was about to change because in the director's box that day was none other than Stephen Gerrard. Now we both know now at the time and, and Stephen's kind of spoke to the press and everything saying that he had earmarked only a couple of players. I think right. if I'm right David at the time it was James Tavernier, Greg Doherty yep. and Alfredo Morelos. And now, Alfredo Morelos. That was the four and Windass. And Windass, sorry. And yes, it's Josh crazy because we all know what happened with Windass and Doherty that you think really but yep folks Honest to God, that, Gerard said well, that, that, that was the, the four. position we were in as well, I think. Yep, they, were the, the, they were the four that he said, I don't want them sold. Anybody else can go. Obviously, he knew Jordan Rossiter. Um, and he, if fit, he was, you know, but then when he got there and he saw that the injuries kind of robbed him of a lot of the potential he'd shown when he was younger. But yeah, and it's, it's so... It, I've told people this and they went, Ah, you must be at it because Doherty and you know never get a look in, and Windass was sold immediately. And I was like, well, he said this, you know, it was, <laughs> um, and when he arrived, obviously things changed quite quickly. But you're absolutely right. He identified Alfredo Morelos as a key player. Michael Beal speaks Spanish. Um, Daniel Candeas obviously was, and then began this very close relationship that we'll cover in the next the next show um this almost fatherly relationship between gerald and him that had its moments like a son and a dad you know i'm sure the phrase i'm not angry i'm just disappointed was used a few times and i'm sure the phrase i am angry um was used a few times as well but uh no you're right at that point and then after the the horrible defeat um, two defeats against Celtic afterwards, because the team fell apart after that that loss that day completely. Remember, we got beat by Kilmarnock in the next game at Ibrox, and um, just were just you know, got worse and worse and worse as the season went on. Um, and and there was you know some talk well, Barellos will be sold, but Gerard had said to Rangers, "No, nah, he's somebody that I feel I can work with, and and I feel I can develop." And I don't think there's any doubt that he did develop. Yeah, undoubtedly, 
as we kind of wrap up this, um, it's worth pointing out where exactly Alfredo was. Um, a couple of things, David, that we have to bring up and go over. Obviously, um, the the whole China bid and, and it kind of rocked him slightly. He would then sign an improved contract. He was earmarked by Gerard, so that's that's where he was. We had seen sporadic amount of goals. He actually managed eighteen goals in that season. He got fourteen league goals, two in the League Cup, two in the Scottish Cup. I think that's remarkable considering how bad we were. And I'm trying not to to swear, but we were really bad, really really bad. I um, think a swear would be appropriate there, mate. Um, well, yeah, that, yeah, that last. Well, I mean, for me, <coughs> the dear. The, the nadir of the whole there are different nadirs which probably says a lot about 2012 to 2018 and for me the you know there's obviously the Ramsons Cup final under Ali there's losing to Ann and there's the 3-2 at Alloa there's the uh, defeat uh, at Hamden under Warburton there's the, the Tonkings at Tynecastle under Warburton there's some really crazy displays under Pedro but for me the genuinely is this it is this what it's going to be from now on because remember Gerard hadn't been announced yet was the the two defeats against Celtic the the fact that the one at Parkhead where it could have been as many as they wanted and it could have and they were running about no that's unfair they were jogging about the Celtic players high-fiving each other and laughing because it was so easy I mean, it was so easy. Our players were shit scared of them. They were terrified of that Celtic team. They didn't want to be there. Marty didn't want to be there. He famously said, oh, it's, it's a lonely place out there. There's not much you can do once you cross the white line. I hate that attitude from any manager. Why are you there then? You know, if there's nothing you can do, why are you there then? That that to me is bullshit. Um but he, he just his confidence had completely gone. The players' confidence had completely gone. It was just horrible. Um, and that was the is this is this who we are now? You know, is, is this what Rangers are? Rather than us dreaming of winning a league title, should we be you know accepting that we're scrapping with Aberdeen and Kelly for European slots? Because that's that's sort of what the evidence suggests we we are. Um, and you know that that's why, apart you know the 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 way Gerard went is obviously, you know was was quite a shock and a bit disappointing and, and hurtful to us. But in time, I'll always be grateful to him because immediately we weren't a joke. You know, straight away when he came in, he stopped us being a joke. Now there are sore ones under him, and we'll cover them. But at least you thought we are on a road that could lead to success as opposed to we are on the road to nowhere and we're not even travelling. And I think that that at that point, you know, you would have sold all of them, really. You would have gladly seen that that squad decimated. When cooler heads prevailed, I wouldn't have disagreed with Gerard on the four guys he'd picked out, incidentally. Um and I still say that Josh Windass, if if you could uh see if you could have done a personality transplant on Josh Windass he'd be playing at a far higher level because I think he's got ability and I don't think he'll ever hit well his career so far seems to suggest that doesn't it that he's not going to hit the the heights that he's spoken that he thinks he should be at people talk about you know um, Jordan Jones blowing it under Gerrard and getting sent off and things the first person that springs to mind always in, in the terms of blowing it under Gerrard who had the platform and you look at how well 
players have improved under Gerard, and and they have. And 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 although we don't want to go into a, a tangent and talk about Steven Gerrard, he improved quite a lot. Glenn Kamara, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. Now, Josh Windass, I've got no doubt that we could have really taken him on. And like you said, we'd seen sporadic moments. He'd, a couple of great finishes, left foot finish at Easter Road springs to mind immediately where he, he drilled it in really well. The boy had talent, and he's never ever matured or developed the way he should and develop David the way I think we could we could have turned Josh Windass into a five six million yeah. pound player. Oh, I've got no know. doubts about that. Um he would have been leaving us to go to a higher level as well if he'd stuck in under there. And the thing is whenever I've said this about about um him and an attitude people go, Oh was he disruptive? No, he wasn't and I really want to make that clear. Was he a bad influence in the dressing room? Nope. Was he a bad trainer? No, he was the opposite. He was a terrific trainer. Um, it's just that Josh Windass has, for some reason, this hugely inflated idea of, of how good he is, um, which might be true, but it's never been proven. And that's what... I mean, he was stunned. See, when, when Rangers let him go, he was stunned by the clubs that were in for him. He couldn't believe it because it was Wigan, Rotherham and um, Ipswich. And he genuinely expected a Premiership club to come in for him. He couldn't believe it that those were the clubs that were in for him. And he couldn't believe that Rangers would let him go for two and a half million. Well, look at who's bidding for you and look at how much they're bidding. That's how much you're worth. You know, that's that's literally, you can say I'm worth double that, but nobody believes it apart from you and your dad. Um, and I think that, that, you know, I just, I do want to make clear because I don't want people going, or David said that there was an attitude. It's in him. It's not Josh Windass, a professional. He's a good pro. He, you know, he never misses training. He works hard in training. He doesn't cause a manager problem. He doesn't do back chat. It's just he won't push himself. You know, as a human, he just won't push himself to go that extra bit or, you know, to, to get where he could be in the way that he, all players need to. And I think Alfredo's a good case in point of that because Alfredo, and you mentioned this earlier, actually, and I'm glad you did. I, I, meant, I, I took a note, and I'm, I want to mention this here. See the problems, in inverted commas, with Alfredo. They're all on the park, right? Alfredo has not caused us bother off the park. You know, we mentioned Jason Cummins earlier, who's currently suspended by Dundee for an incident. Alfredo's only had the one, which was the returning from Colombia for the, the Hearts game that we'll cover in a few episodes time. Apart from that, most of the, the stuff he's done has been on the park. But again, you know, trains well, does what he's told, listens when, you know, his head's right. And he's become a better player for it and he's achieved success. And I, I'm always sad when players limit themselves because there are guys like, you know, that... that will do everything a coach tells them and push themselves and push them, and they just don't have the ability you know and it's cruel in a way because they've got fabulous attitudes but they just don't or you've got guys like Jordan Rossiter whose body lets them down and I feel it's such a waste when a guy doesn't fulfil his potential and Alfie could have gone that way Alfie could have gone that way the Gerard appointment was huge for Rangers and FC it was huge for Alfredo Morelos because he could easily have went in and said I want to move as well. I'll go and play for, no offence, Wigan fans. I'll go and play for some team that's going to be at the bottom of the championship. And, oh, you know, I'll double my wage here. But really? And I'll go and get lost and become a guy who plays lower level English football for years. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good career. 
but you're capable of more. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a perfect way to come to an end, David. Not quite at the end yet. There's something really important that we have to cover because it sets the landscape, and you've slightly touched on it. It's not something that we need to give a lot of attention to, but it's really important to how Alfredo's time in Scotland will develop. During that season, David, um, there was a particularly disgusting article on Alfredo Morelos that appeared in the Red Tops. We'll not mention who. They're not our oh, friends. We, we can say it was a sodding record. Keith Jackson. Um, and, and the whole piece is littered with references to drugs, Pablo Escobar, trafficking. It was disgusting. I remember Gene Johansson at the time being really outraged by it and really kind of fighting Alfredo's uh, position online, um, which I'll show you because Jean's a very well-mannered, you know, she doesn't sought after controversy is what I'm trying to get at, but she was as outraged as we all were. This would begin the narrative, which you then correctly said, that Bill Leckie would follow up on, etc. And it's a narrative that has, you know, he's been called clown, he's been called buffalo brains, and these Resting are by people... Face. Yeah. That? Yeah. Yep. I mean, and these are by people that we don't need to listen to, but it's very important in the context of this show and Alfredo's journey that we um, tell exactly where it was for Alfredo in the press, because this is it, David. This is where he was. He was not perhaps a joke figure, but there was inverted racism towards him. There was, um, and I know people might say no, but go back and read that article with Escobar. and It's atrocious. And that made it to one of our so-called um, most popular papers in Scotland. And this was what he faced, not only on the pitch, it, it then transcended into following him about and something that meant that Alfredo would be prejudged whenever he was on the pitch. And this situation, David, would only get worse as we'll cover. Yeah, and look, um, I, you know, there's a bigger debate as to what it constitutes right and that's something that there's a culture war going on at the moment and i don't want to get into it what i will say is that it's at best xenophobic okay you know you you can't deny that, that. was the word i was looking for it, yep. it, well at, you know that that's what i think you would say because it's taking all these assumptions um about a country and putting them in and, and it's it's also so unimaginative you know, I mean, that, that that to me is a crime on its own. It's just so lazy. But what have we come to expect? The, I've always found, as bad as that article was, and it was so offensive, incidentally, show racism, the red card uh, made a statement on it. And the record were forced to apologise for it. Uh, moral guardians, daily records, remember, folks. Uh, the, I've always found the lecky stuff worse because... It's insulting someone for no reason. Now, you mentioned earlier things like his charity work, things like the things he does off the park. Alfredo Morelos is a good human being, right? He is. Okay. He's father of, of a young family. His wife's very happy. You know, he's bought a home in Glasgow. He, he He's a good lad. People at the club, you'll know this, Stevie. People who know him like him. They say he's nuts, but they like him. Um, I have, sorry, just to slightly interject, I met him and he's one of the nicest politest people um obviously he doesn't speak english but he will stand and listen to you chattering on uncontrollably about how much you love him 
get a wee photo, <laughs> smile the whole time, and away he goes. But he radiates somebody not of, and, and we've all met them, David, where you met a player oh, yeah. and they're maybe not interested. He's the exact opposite. So um, I concur what you're saying That's, completely. Yeah. Alfredo is a really nice, honest, he, decent he's lad. I think. a genuinely good human being, right? And to, to be calling him things like a waster, uh, buffalo brains, uh, with his resting bitch face, a clown. These are personal and direct insults from newspapers that have launched campaigns about respecting players and officials. And there they are. How is this acceptable? You know, you can say he does silly things on the park and get sent off. That's legit. That is legit, right? You can say, I think he's too aggressive on the pitch. Uh, you can even say, you know, there's the, the guy at Hibs. Um, I think he goes out to hurt people. These are all legit. But when you you expect it, I, I don't object, incidentally, to when we're playing away from home, that the opposition crowd will be calling him a wanker. Because that happens. We do it. You know, that's football. We get that. But I think that we do have a right to expect that an immigrant to the country to be the target of that abuse in national newspapers, there is a line, and I think that it crossed it. And I think that that, you know, particularly there became a vendetta. It was easy clicks. Uh, that Never never underestimate that for a newspaper. It's easy clicks because on the one hand, fans of opposition clubs will read it and pass it on and we'll read it uh, and be upset by it and, and pass it on and say, here, have you seen this? So that's one of the reasons why they go that route. It's so low class. It, it, it's so poor um, to do that and and to be that person who who you know comes out and, and does it. Now, listen, incidentally, I will accept that sometimes I've done it um, to opposition players on here. So before everybody goes, David, you're a hypocrite. We are biased. We do not claim to not have an agenda. We are Rangers fans. Everyone you hear on this is a Rangers fan. And that it's through blue tinted glasses. So we're up front about it. I think there's a difference if you portray yourself as a neutral and you say that I'm just reporting on this uh, as a neutral. To then do this kind of thing that's unfair, I think it's just below a standard that I think most of us would agree that the press should be held to. The other thing that I, I, I think is important about this is that it fed a frenzy that was going on with opposition fans where they felt it was acceptable to have banners about his mother, as we saw at Pataudry, um, to, to throw things at him. There's very few players got gets anything chucked hoid at them as much as Alfredo Morelos does. To the, It whips up a frenzy against somebody. That, let's take it back. This is not a Joey Barton who's done horrible things. This is not somebody who's said horrible things. This is all based on the fact that you don't like a football player because he's good and because he scores goals for a club you hate. Your problem with Alfredo Morelos is on you. And that, I think, is the key thing. There's that brilliant Gandhi phrase, which, you know, obviously football, far less important than the struggle for Indian independence. But first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. That's Alfie, because they ignored Eduardo Herrera. You know, never spoke about him. He was no threat. Then they laughed at him. 
Buffalo Browns. Oh, he's an idiot. South American temperament. When he crosses the white line, get it, eh, Columbia drug deal. They laughed at him. They tried to make him a figure of fun. Then they brought out the big guns because they realised he wasn't going away and he was really good. And then he won and he answered every question they'd ever put up for him. And that is one of the reasons why we all love him. Yes, and I think, David, what we've done on episode one, hopefully everybody agrees, has set the scene perfectly. I know it wasn't a, a brilliant period for Rangers, but what we had is a, a young, exciting striker who has shown glimpse of what would become the magic that we would see. 18 goals, uh, 14 league goals, as we said, a couple in each cup. But real moments of genius at Ross County, Hibs, etc., like we'd seen then, we're about to embark on the arrival of, of Stephen Gerrard and what would become a real up and down roller coaster, but ending on the, the highest of highs and taking us up to the point we are now. So, an excellent couple of episodes to look forward to. I think now, David, um, it gets really interesting because this is where we see a real evolution. And there's that word for the series again in terms of how he progresses, how he um, turns into a striker that would attract such massive bids. But we're about to. I think, embark on the really exciting spells of form and um, some good times for the club. Absolutely. I can't wait. And you know, I, I hope people have enjoyed this episode. I'm sure there might be one or two bits we've missed. If so, let us know in the comments, folks, and, and we'll, we'll address them in the next episode. But uh, I think that we, we definitely uh, set the scene for that difficult first season that he, that he had. Um, and now we go into what was an extremely exciting time for the club and I'm sure for the player. Yeah, absolutely. And that is it for episode one. I hope everyone has enjoyed it. Um, David will be your host for the next one as we dovetail and kind of switch. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> and then... Oh, um, I quite enjoyed it. I thought you were doing a great job. Fair, fair, fair. We, we, should, we should, you know, equal labour. I agree. <laughs> um, I think the good thing, David, as we said at the start, I've got no idea how long... This is no, remember no. when we when we done Gerard we said maybe four episodes it turned into nine. So strap <laughs> yourselves in, folks. Um David, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, mate. Um and yeah, thanks for joining us. I hope everybody enjoys it. Come and check out what we do on Heart and Hand uh, podcast. You can um come and subscribe to Patreon um for tiers as little as one ninety nine a month. Um, and you could. this is a flavour of what we do there's deep dives into everything uh, I guessed on Heart and Hand very brilliantly David has allowed me to do that so I have a few shows on there which you can come and um, join in and you were um, the, the first show of 2022 ah there we go that's that's nice um, you kicked us off this year yeah so come and join in um, and also check out Four Lads Had a Dream platform um, lots of exciting um, well, I think exciting blogs and things, um, and hopefully we I try and keep you up to date with what's going on there. We work very closely with um, other fan media like David, and we hope to get out um, some good bits and pieces. So we do the blogs, David does the podcasts, and we hope that we will um, provide you with everything Rangers. I think that's fair to say, David. Absolutely, my friend. And um, as I say, I hope people enjoyed the show. I enjoyed doing it, and that's... That's always the main thing. Um, I think that it, it's it's great to have the opportunity to be able to just you know go back and look at in detail um, and 
to remind yourself, you know, with some of those goals brought a smile to my face and also to put things into the proper context, perhaps, you know, and, and maybe slay the dragon a little bit on some of them, you know, the, the, the China story or whatever. And I think that that is a positive as a support and hopefully we engender some conversation among the supports. And, you know, at times you said earlier, Scottish football um, has a tendency to, to, to focus on the negative. I think sometimes it can be a, a, a lot of fun to sit back and go, aye, this is why we love this game. Yeah, and I think that Alfredo Morelos is the one for us all that we all love in that hmm. team, although he's not the only one. He certainly is, I think, everyone's fan's favourite. And I think that during the next couple of episodes, as he progresses as Rangers as a club and as a team progress um, with the arrival of Steven Gerrard, we're about to see the real highs and the lows and the ultimate successes under Alfredo. And that has been a wrap for episode one. So on behalf of David and I, thanks everyone for joining us and we will speak to you again next week on episode two. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.